Welcome to the weekly worship podcast from the Presbyterian Church in Morristown, where we pause our busy lives to dig deeper into our faith. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe, or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Let's listen to how God might speak to us today, and remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters. Friends, our second reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. Hear God's word to us today. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up, And went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring town, so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues, and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us and mold us. Fill us and use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh now on each one of us. Amen. Well, friends, today is February 4th, 2024, 2024, 2025, 26, 27, 28, 29, 2030, 2031, 2032, 2033. We are 10 years away from our 300th is almost 300 years old. It's older than our country. Secondly, how do we appropriately mark such an occasion? How do we celebrate and share our gratitude and our joy? And finally, what can we do now to ensure that when we get to 2033, our congregation is in the best possible position to be around for generations to come? A little later this morning during our annual meeting, we will commission a small group of folks who will begin to address some of these questions as part of a 2033 vision team, helping us to think about both how we celebrate our past and also how we will prepare for what our life and ministry together might look like in our future. Will that take 10 years? I sure hope not. 
But it's not too early to begin thinking now and say for the next three years about the steps we can be taking, the steps that we should be making so that we have time to actually move in the direction that we feel like God is calling us. You know, there are lots of churches that are looking down the road and finding that their days are numbered and that there's a time that's not too far off when the money's going to run out and there won't be enough people to sustain the ministry. And I am thankful that that is not the story that we are writing here at PCM. We are so clearly blessed to stand on the shoulders of those who built this church, blessed by the legacy of those who have gone before us. And we want to make sure that PCM remains healthy and vibrant, faithful and strong for generations to come. And I'm grateful that we are beginning this work, this visioning for the future. So today, as we jump into our gospel lesson, we experience a bit of that same idea, looking back and looking forward, seeing what Jesus has done and also seeing where Jesus is going. So if you remember, for the last several weeks, we've been reading our way through the first chapter of Mark's gospel. In Mark, we begin almost immediately with Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit coming down as Jesus comes up out of the water, a voice from heaven, you are my son, the beloved with you, I am well pleased. He goes quickly out into the wilderness, experiences 40 days of temptation, comes back to Galilee after he hears that John the Baptist has been arrested. He calls his first disciples. They make their way to Capernaum, which was a small lakeside village. And there he begins to teach in the synagogue, and he heals a man with an unclean spirit. Mark writes, at once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. That's where we picked up our text this morning. As soon as they left the synagogue, they encounter, excuse me, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew, remember they were brothers, with James and John, they were also brothers. And they are the four disciples Jesus has called so far. And Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, which back then could be life-threatening. And Jesus took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. I just want to mention briefly that the word to serve just there, it's the Greek word diakone, which is the same word that, from which we get the word diaconate or deacon. It means that she ministered to them. And that her place of service, her position of providing hospitality and care, it was restored by her being healed. Just like that man with the unclean spirit who we talked about last week, Jesus has authority over demons and he has also the power to heal. In fact, that is sort of a structure to Mark's writing that we see in our text for today, especially when we put it alongside of our text from last Sunday which is what we always want to aim for when we study the Bible, to see these passages in their context, not as standalone readings, but framed as a narrative whole. Last Sunday, Jesus rebuked a demon who had possessed a man. Let's call that part A, (laughs) rebuking demons. This Sunday, Jesus healed a woman who was sick. Let's call that part B, healing people. 
Well, the text goes on. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and all who were possessed by demons. And the whole city, which was really like a little lakeside village, was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So remember, last week, it was A, Jesus rebuking one man with a demon. At the start of our text this week, it's, it's B, Jesus healing one woman of her illness. But as the text goes on, it's kind of A, B. <laughs> the whole city gathered around the door and Jesus curing many who were sick and, and with various diseases and casting out many demons. That's the structure to Mark's writing, A, B, A, B. And incremental steps to the activity that Mark tells us Jesus is doing, rebuking one man with a demon, healing one woman with her sickness, and then curing many people with demons and many people who were sick. Jesus's salvation is for one as much as it is for all. And the good news for the demon-possessed man or the woman sick with fever is just the beginning of the transformation of entire communities. It is the intimate conversion of the soul, as well as the redemption and the revival of a whole town. And then what happens? In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed because this work, this ministry is hard even for Jesus, and we are meant to slow down and to rest and to pray. And Simon and his companions hunted for them. Isn't that such an interesting word? They hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone's searching for you. And he answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. Let us go on. That structure, the the scale is getting bigger. A, B, A, B. With the many in Capernaum, a little village, but then it's A, B, curing diseases, casting out demons in all the neighboring towns. A, B, proclaiming the message that God's kingdom has come near. Do you see what I mean here? Jesus seems to have this mindset of a a larger scale change, a a larger purpose and vision for God's power, and and a connection to this narrative about the whole kingdom of God. And Jesus tries to connect the work of these first disciples to the bigger picture. It, It wasn't just about healing. It was about the kingdom of God. It wasn't just about individual A or individual B. It was about all who were cured, all the demons who were cast out in every town, every community, among the Gentiles, among the whole world. Let us go on, for this is what I came out to do. Have you ever heard of motivation science? I hadn't either until a friend told me uh, about it, but there's this book called Drive by Dan Pink which draws on four decades of research on human motivation. Like, there's this older experiment called the candle problem from a psychologist named Carl Dunker. 
And Dunker asked participants to solve a complicated problem involving a candle, matches, some thumbtacks, and a box. And he would tell participants, your job is to attach the lit candle to a wall so that the wax doesn't drip on the table below it. Now, to some of the participants, he said that the fastest 25% to complete this assignment would be given a monetary reward. To the other participants, he said he was just timing them to discern their norms. And do you know what happened? The group that had been offered the reward performed significantly worse than the other group. On average, it took them three and a half minutes longer to complete the task. And it's, it's one of the many experiments used to build Dan Pink's thesis that if you have complex problems to solve, there is no stick sharp enough and no carrot sweet enough to actually incentivize people to solve them. So what motivates us then? What brings out the best in us? And compels us to achieve, compels us to thrive, and to solve complex problems? Pink says that it comes down to three things. Autonomy, the urge to direct our own lives. Mastery, the desire to get better at something that matters. And purpose, the yearning to do what we do in service of something larger than ourselves. These are the building blocks to motivation. And that third one ties into what Jesus has been trying to teach his followers. The A's and the B's, the individual acts of healing, they mean nothing apart from their connection to God's kingdom that is coming alive in their midst. Being part of something bigger than ourselves, joining a movement, belonging to a cause, living out one's faith. Jesus gives us the gift of salvation, but he also gives us the gift of purpose. He called the disciples, and he, and he still calls us to be a part of this movement and to commit to a certain way of life. He gave them a framework in which to ground their actions and their decisions. It's motivation science. He didn't call the first disciples saying, come, follow me, and I will make you rich. He said, come, follow me, and I will make you to become something new. I will offer you a way of life that is filled with promise, a way of life that is filled with purpose. The motivation came from seeing that the transformation of one person could lead to the redemption of many. Motivation science says that we need a purpose if we're going to solve the complex problems of our time, not attaching a candle to a wall without letting the wax trip, but, but really tackling issues like hunger or homelessness. Not to mention the decline we see in so many churches. Many of us, we have forgotten that life isn't about what we gain. It's not about the carrot or the stick or the reward. 
It is about learning to follow the one who shows us the way toward God's kingdom. So let us go on. For that is what we came out to do, right? Let us go on, for that is what we have come out to do. And he went throughout Galilee proclaiming the message, the kingdom of God really has come near. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening with us today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe. Or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Visit us at www.pcmorristown.org or find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook to stay connected with our church. But most of all, remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters.